Hello everyone and welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin, and I am delighted to be joined by a good friend of the show at this point. You may have seen her on Up at Adams recently from Fox Sports. It is Carmen Vitali. Carmen, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Well, delighted to always get to to chat to you. And it's uh, great to see you popping up here, there and everywhere. And well, well, Aaron, remember the days, uh, you know, back when we were discussing the, the Buccaneers, uh, on the, how how nice are those those uniforms uh, yeah. that they were playing? Oh, I was actually so- kind of I, I didn't know if I was really going to end up loving them. Uh, and then I, I unfortunately had to watch the game on television. I wasn't there at the game. We have a wonderful NFC South writer that was there instead. But they popped off the screen. and I was like, that's it. I'm sold. I saw the mom, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, so good. Um, I I suppose I asked JP Costa the, this a uh, little bit. We discussed this a little bit. A lot of people talk about the Seahawks as being... The, the NFL's most unusual team. There's the meme about why can't you ever play a normal game? But really, should that not be the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, the Seahawks have a Super Bowl. They had the Legion of Boom. Once again, in it's another year where the Vikings, everything is bananas. I mean, the bounce of the ball doesn't go their way. Their EPA is much better this year, but the record isn't as good. Brian Flores has them blitzing like at a higher rate than anyone else has done on third down. They're They're... The, the Vikings are the Vikings. It's interesting to me because the Vikings are the Vikings, whether or not they're successful. So last season won the division 13 and four record yet 11 of those games were one score games and they were 11 and 0 one score games and things went wrong. Things went right. Things. It, it was still a weird season, despite the fact that they were so successful. And now you get the other side of the coin in th- this season where things aren't going so well. And it is, there just seems to be, I mean, I guess it's, it's fitting that I'm on an Irish podcast. There's a tremendous amount of luck involved, good, both good and bad luck. And they're getting the bad luck part of every bounce, every penalty, every, I mean, even last week against the Chicago bears, Kirk gets called for an intentional grounding penalty on third down that would have extended the drive. And CJ Ham was right there. I mean, he was, he couldn't have been more than two yards from that football. And you just, there's just so many little things that keep going wrong. And that was in a, a win, in fact, for the Vikings. So I think they're the weirdest team. I'm a little bit biased because I cover them week in and week out for one of my teams. But I I have to imagine that no, no one has an explanation for if the Vikings are going to be good or not on any given week. Yeah, it it, it is. At any given season, uh, certainly just seems there's there's always intrigue uh, in uh, in Minneapolis. I suppose, though, look, the talking point around the NFC North has to be the Lions. And when we look at it this weekend, right? This um, and then this we're recording a couple of days early, but this will be going out the weekend. I mean, to me. The Lions Ravens is the game of the the weekend, and here Detroit was for so long the factory of sadness. Um, well, we have a song over here you might be familiar with called "House of Fun." That's what Detroit feel, Ford Field feels like the house of fun now. I've had the tremendous opportunity to now go to Ford Field this season, and the fans are all in, and it's so rewarding, and it's just so fun. 
to see the mid the the Detroit Lions be able to play in front of their fans and have that true home field advantage and have a deafening deafeningly loud stadium that rivals any of the indoor stadiums that I've been to. And it's just I can't describe them in any other word but fun. You go in that locker room too. I remember even last season when the when the Lions were were losing in the beginning of it, the, that first half. And it was still a weirdly fun locker room to be in because everybody had that belief even when they were losing. And I think that that's what's serving them well coming into the season where they did have expectations. I think everybody thought that they were going to win this division. I don't think that they thought they were that the Lions were going to be the juggernaut that they turned out to be so far. But the Lions believed in themselves has just been completely unwavering for the last couple of seasons under Dan Campbell. And that is exactly the reason why they are having as much success as they are as much as it has to do with the wonderful play calling by Ben Johnson and the way that Aaron Glenn has turned the defense around I think the most important part of this is the fact that the Lions wholeheartedly from top to bottom believe in themselves and it's so fun for Detroit because Detroit deserves it yeah no uh long-suffering Lions fans uh in Detroit and on this side of the Atlantic yeah they do deserve it I, just on that, like they were favorites, a lot of talk about them, but for Ben Johnson, right? Because coordinators, sometimes you need to strike when the iron is hot, right? Like the Giants, uh, Kafka, right? A lot of talk for him in the offseason. He decides to, to go back to New York. Things aren't, right now, things aren't working out. Look, it's a long season. But for Ben Johnson, were there any any qualms do you think when he decided um i'm gonna go back uh i'm gonna i want to see this out we've got a, a really kind of special group were there any kind of questions anywhere in the back of his head going like maybe i should have taken one of these jobs or did he know that this truly was and given uh you know what dan campbell and the lions were building did he you know did he really think uh the, the opportunities are good now they might be even better in a year's time I don't think that there was any question in his mind. And again, that goes back to last season that even when they were losing, they knew they had something special. They were building something special and that paid off in the back half of last season. And it's a momentum that they've continued into this one. So I think that especially when you're taking head coaching interviews, you're not taking head coaching interviews for teams that are good most of the time, almost all of the time. So I think Ben Johnson also saw like, listen, I can struggle and Everybody wants that opportunity to turn a franchise around and be the guy to do it. And I think that Ben Johnson will eventually be the guy to do something like that. But why leave now? Why leave when when the Lions now have all of this momentum and he truly believes in this team because everyone in that building believes in this team and see how far you guys can take it before then Ben Johnson ends up leaving. I don't think that he's going to last past this season in Detroit because I think some team is just going to throw a Brinks truck at him and be like, hey, here's all the money that you could possibly want as a head coach. Come be our head coach. Come fix our quarterback. Come do something along those lines that that Ben Johnson can do and is willing to do. He puts in just a tremendous amount of work. I've he- heard from coaches in that building. He is the first one in, the last one out. He's constantly just ideating different ways to attack defenses even in training camp, the defensive coaches would tell me that they would maybe figure him out by the end of a practice. And by the next day, Ben Johnson would have five different wrinkles that they had never seen before. So they had no idea what he was doing after all. That's the kind of guy that, that he is. So 
he fits so well with that t- with that staff. He fits so well with Dan Campbell. I can't I couldn't be happier for him and the things that he's been able to do in Detroit and the different ways that he's evolving offense as we know it. Yeah, I mean, like you, you think to even the Falcons game where the direct snap uh, to the RRB, even uh, with Jared Goff on the Jared Goff. It was amazing. Just, I mean, so innovative. But it's it's on both sides of the ball because defensively, you know, they really struggled in the early part of last year. Then they um, kind of really put it together. But can you talk a little bit about Aiden Hutchinson? Because I think obviously, look, the Browns are probably getting like understandably the laurels at the moment. They have been fantastic, and Miles Garrett has been excellent, and Bryce Huff with the Jets has been fantastic, but. Quietly, Aiden Hutchinson could could and maybe should be in the Defensive Player of the Year talk, right? I'm so glad you said that because that's this conversation that I've started having the last few weeks. And again, I know I'm biased. I cover four teams primarily in this league in addition to it as a whole, but I'm exposed to Aiden Hutchinson every week. And by from my eyes, he is absolutely in that conversation of the elite pass rushers because he's doing it on that defensive line at least on the edges, kind of on his own. I don't want that to come off as a slight to John Kaminsky or any guys on the other side, but he is getting pressure regardless if he's getting double or triple team sometimes from these offensive linemen on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And he's able to move from the outside to the interior. He's got just an arsenal of pass rush moves that he keeps bringing out. And then on top of that, dude got hands. He's making one-handed interceptions and he had never had an interception in his entire football career prior to getting into the NFL, which is wild. The fact that you can develop a skill like that and be so successful when you've had absolutely no practice at it and then do it at the highest level. I mean, he's an alien. He's an absolute alien. And I, I need to see more talk and I need to see him be in this conversation up for defensive player of the year, especially given the Lions' defensive turnaround and the fact that they are having so much success. So I don't I don't know what's keeping people from having that conversation, but I'm trying to have it. Yeah, like the style is different, but to me, in, in many ways, he reminds me a little bit of Von Miller, right? Because you see what he wears and you see the fun that he brings and how he is and the fact that he continuously develops his game. I think that was one thing you noticed with Von throughout his career as he's looked to do different things. We saw Von drop into coverage times, make uh, interceptions famously on Tom Brady. And not a bad comp to have for, for Aiden, but it'll be very interesting to, to see because, as I said, they have been um, the juggernaut now. The other side of that that is the team who haven't been the juggernaut is the the Bears, and I know you you and Adam obviously have the the podcast that you weekly covering the the Bears, but this this wasn't how it was supposed to go this year for the Bears. You were supposed to see tangible improvement. I cautioned against any of the Justin Fields MVP talk and all this other stuff. I said success for the Chicago Bears in twenty twenty three looks like incremental but tangible improvement whether or not that translates to wins I don't know but as long as you see this offense kind of start clicking you see Justin Fields making his reads throwing with anticipation connecting with his receivers being protected by his offensive line if you see those things happening I don't care if you win games that's what's supposed to happen in a rebuild where you tore basically everything down 
And so far, the same problems that existed last year are cropping up this year. And that's the most disheartening part, I think, for Bears fans and for the city of Chicago in general that has been absolutely desperate for a good quarterback and an offense. This is a city built on defense. It's the reason that I grew up so invested in defense and why I've studied defense much more than I have offense just because of the fact I didn't have an offense to look at when I was growing up. So I became, I, my favorite players were Lance Briggs and Brian Urlacher and stuff like that. And I think that that is also another disheartening thing about the Chicago Bears is over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit of improvement from the defense, but not enough. Matt Eberflus is a defensive head coach. That is his side of the ball. Not that I can excuse the offensive struggles because you gave, you got rid of any excuses that Justin Fields had to not put it all together this year. But you should absolutely be seeing a lot more improvement from this defense than you are. And that's that's another just disheartening thing. So you don't have anything to build on in Chicago right now. And there's just kind of this aura of being lost of what am I supposed to root for? What am I supposed to think? And it's it's resulted in some wild pendulum swings by Bears fans. Either they're, you know, the MVP before the season for Justin, three games in. Caleb Williams, and then he plays two good halves of football against two very bad teams and very bad defenses, at least in that game. And then all of a sudden, it's back to the MVP conversation. I'm like, it's no way to go through a season. You can't do that. It's not good for your blood pressure. It's not, let me let me play Dr. Carmen for a hot second and just be like, take a page out of a quarterback book. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. But it's 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 a mess in Chicago, and it still is a mess. If things continue to go as they have, are we looking at a control-alt-delete reset at the end of the season? I don't think so, because that would buck about 100 years of history with the McCaskies and the owners of the Chicago Bears. They have not shown, first of all, they've never fired a head coach in season, so I think that's completely out of the question of Matty Brooks getting fired right before the season ends. But even after the season ends, the Bears have not shown that they are willing to pay a general manager or a head coach that is no longer working for them. So they usually let these guys play out their contracts. I don't know if that means maybe a change at offensive coordinator, but I absolutely think that this is Justin Fields' last season in Chicago. I think that the Bears do have one or both of the top picks in the NFL draft come April of 2024. They are taking a quarterback. That's too good of an opportunity to pass up when you're not completely sold on a guy and I, I talked about this yesterday with Adam the fact that Justin is not Ryan Poles's guy matters it matters because of the fact that you build the, you're, the way that you build a team as a GM you have to have everything you have to build around your quarterback and if you are not completely sold on that guy you didn't scout that guy I don't know what Ryan Poles's grade was on Justin Fields when he was coming out but if you're not completely sold on that guy you can't tie your job to someone that you inherited. That's just, it's not something that GMs are willing to do. And I don't blame them for it because their jobs are tied to the success of these quarterbacks. So I think for the first time, they have the opportunity to actually have a GM, a head coach, and a quarterback that were all brought in under the same regime. Um, and that's going to be very interesting to see if they can then build 
the team in that way and and if it fits with Ryan Poles' personnel philosophy and if it fits with Matt Aberflus's or whoever the offensive coordinator's is system. Um, but I do think this is the last year of Justin Fields in a Chicago Bears jersey. Can you imagine if the Bears end up with the number one pick from the Panthers and that you say it's Williams or Drake May Imagine the pressure, right? Because as you said, right, you've got Chicago with the history of the QBs. So you've got this whole uh, city looking at you uh, and wanting, desperately wanting you to succeed. And then you have an owner in David Tepper, who I'm sure cannot be best pleased if that comes to pass, because that is going to mean that that QB will forever be compared uh, to, to Bryce Young. And it's not what he would have wanted. So an interesting situation to to play out there. And Maybe that leads us on to talking about QBs, obviously, um, you know, in Green Bay, because it is a new era, but, um, you know, probably started out really well. But over the past couple of weeks, suffice to say, Matt LaFleur has been tetchy at the uh, at the podium. Um, I, I think, you know, that lost to the, the Raiders and, you know, um, and and look, they they've had their struggles. They've beaten some bad teams. Um, but we've seen Devonta Adams talking this week. In for Green Bay, like, are there? What is the expectation? Like going in, I suppose there was there was the unknown, but there was a lot of hope that the roster was pretty strong and that Jordan Love could really kind of grow and develop. But it's been very up and down. Where do you think they sit after six weeks of the season, Carmen? I don't think that their viewpoint has changed. Progress isn't linear. That's just how it is in this league. You're going to have ups and downs, but they are thinking in terms in the long term. They're thinking in terms of years down the road. This is a system. This is a strategy that they have employed since Vince Lombardi. And it's something that has worked for them since Vince Lombardi, which is why you enter into that organization as an employee, as a, as a front office person, as a coach. And they're like, hey, listen, this worked for Vince. Who are you to say it's not going to work anymore? And we've had a track record, a 30-year track record of it working. And I'm not necessarily saying that Jordan Love is the future Hall of Famer, but until he really proves otherwise, they're going to stick with him. And I think injuries have gotten in the way. I think that game against the Raiders, I was there in Vegas for it. It very much looked like a game plan that was supposed to include Aaron Jones. He was a very last-minute scratch from that game, and they really thought he was going to be able to go. So now you're kind of on your heels trying to figure things out in real time, and that makes a huge difference. So I think at halftime, their leading receivers were all three of the tight ends, and it, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was very disjointed, but that's kind of what happened. And that that's an experience, though, that Jordan Love now has. And as he progresses into the season, I mean, in the six games is not a big enough – five games because they already have their bye – Five games is not a big enough sample size to determine if this guy is going to be good long-term. He's still young. He's still getting his first reps as the bona fide starter in Green Bay. And that's going to take some time in a league where we want instant results. That's just not how it works. But at the same time, he was a first-round pick. Brian Gutenkunst has done this before. He's seen Ted Thompson do it before. And this organization is not one that's very trigger-happy. So they are going to let it play out. And I don't think their viewpoint has changed at all. Gets the opportunity against uh, my Broncos, uh, who are um, defensively, uh, let's say, uh, pretty shoddy th this year. So let's see if he can get uh, things going. 
Um, final question, because um, I, I, I recognize and I value you, your time. But one of the things I suppose that I'm really interested in is, you know, something that's intrigued you maybe outside of the NFC North. It can be positive. It can be negative. It can be something that surprised you or something coming into the season that you thought maybe it was a rookie or it was a trade or, or something that has really kind of caught your eye in the NFL in 2023. That's so interesting. That's such a good question. I, gosh. Well, we came into this season thinking about like the value of what a running back is. And I have spent a lot of time thinking about what that means for that position, but then also how, what it means for other positions in the sense that running backs feel like they're unfairly treated, unfairly paid, all that kind of stuff. But you look at the top paid running backs, and it's a guy like Christian McCaffrey who can catch cat passes out of the backfield. You have to be versatile. You have to be almost positionless. So the way that you can't necessarily, I don't know, you can't pay a guy a one-trick pony, I think is what I'm trying to get at anymore. That's not something that, especially among skill players, that's not something that teams are willing to do anymore. So these this this shift into these more positionless players you think about even in Detroit Jameer Gibbs was supposed to come in I, I do believe he's more of a gadget type of guy but he was touted so highly because of the fact that he can do so many things like run routes as a receiver in addition to being a runner and that goes for so many different positions now and I think that that's another reason why everyone was so in love with Justin Fields is that he can factor into the run scheme as a quarterback and you're seeing more and more quarterbacks become runners and what that can do to flip defenses, you know, on their heels. So I am very interested in the evolution of how offense is turning to like these kind of positionless players. And it's because of how sophisticated defenses are getting um, and what that means for these players value. So that if you are the best runner in the league, like a Derrick Henry, like a Josh Jacobs, are you really going to get paid at the top level of that when that's all you can do, even though it's a great thing? But that's just not where the NFL is anymore. So the evolution of all of that is is very interesting. And that also brought me to thinking about how tight ends are completely undervalued because they've been too, like they they have to factor into multiple phases of an offense and they've always had to do that, but they're not paid like it. Like a lot of them are really good receivers, but then you have to be an extension of the offensive line on top of that. Like, why aren't we paying these guys more than receivers, uh, especially for the ones that do catch passes and block those, those combination tight ends that we're seeing? So yeah, it's uh, the, that, that's something that kind of always, I, I like watching how the game evolves and what that means for different players and the value the teams are placing on these guys. Yeah, I know. I think that's really interesting. I think that builds on, and I, I know you um, shared this, I saw on Twitter and I listened to it as well, Kevin Clark and Dominique Foxworth's conversation during the week about the way in which coaches and it builds on what you're saying about like utilizing players in different positions so how Kyle Shanahan realized that Devo could Devo was going to be good but not great as just a, a receiver but when right. you line them up in different ways and the same now um you know on the defensive side of the ball um so it it's really interesting uh over here um, there was this concept in the 1970s, actually, it was the Dutch brought in total football and the idea that you would play all over the, the field. So it's interesting to kind of see that come into the NFL. For fans on this side of the Atlantic, Carmen, who enjoy your stuff, and I would advocate them checking out more, where can they find more of your stuff? 
Um, I share everything that I do on my social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. It's Carmi V. Uh, and then all of my articles appear on foxsports.com. Um, yeah, all of my appearances and stuff end up on social media. So check me out there. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> do check, check out Carmen out. Cannot advocate her checking out her stuff enough. I uh, really appreciate you taking the, the time to, to chat to me and hopefully welcome you back in the not too distant future. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me anytime. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please do vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, every positive review, and every additional subscriber makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you and to interact with NFL fans on our social channels, wherever you're listening in the world, so please do get in touch.